Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I am with Aaron Sykes, the chief economist for Nest Seekers International. Aaron, thanks for joining me. Of course. Thanks for having me. Why don't you just give us your uh, brief background and uh, kind of what you're about? Sure. So I am not only the chief economist for Nest Seekers, which uh, really lives at the confluence of real estate and also media. We have a new show coming out on Discovery Plus this month. So very excited about that. It's called Selling the Hamptons. Um, but also Ooh. I sell myself in Florida, um, Palm Beach to Miami, and also in the Hamptons and New York City. Selling Hamptons is not the selling, selling sunset. Uh, series then because that's Netflix, right? Correct. So we had um, an so original different. show on, on Netflix that came out at about the same time, uh, really during lockdown, which was great timing because everybody was at home. Um, and that was um, on Netflix initially. So now we have a new one coming out on Discovery Plus. So that one is selling the Hamptons. Great. And that's obviously just going to be in the, in the summer or are you guys filming before the summer? It was already filmed. So uh, yeah, there's, I believe six cast members, six main cast members, and they were filmed throughout this past summer. And uh, the premiere is January 21st or no, January 20th. I'm sorry. All right. All right. January 20th. I will Mm -hmm. definitely check that out. So you've migrated from New York. Were you living in the Hamptons or where were you living? I lived in Manhattan for the most of the last 20 years. I lived in LA for grad school. I went to Pepperdine out there. Um, and then I came back East. I had originally grown up in, in New Jersey, went to school in Philadelphia, um, New York, LA back to New York again, and then down to Florida. So you're one of the many Northeasterners that moved or relocated down to South Florida. I am one of those as well born and raised, lived in Connecticut my entire life. And then about a year and a half ago, relocated to Naples, Florida. So tell me why you made that decision. Why are so many other people moving from the Northeast states to Florida, in your opinion? Mm -hmm. So I made the decision just pre-COVID. It was 2019 when I officially moved down and it was for a relationship. It It had nothing to do with anything other than being close to my family and being in this relationship. And it was, you know, in retrospect, not like I planned it, but I was in the right place at the right time. So I was able to capitalize on this continued influx into Florida um, with real estate. So uh, the reason I think people continue to migrate to Florida and to Texas and to Arizona and these other states, it's, you know, obvious tax advantage, um, which is why it had been happening already pre-pandemic for a number of years, but also because businesses in these states have been doing superior to those located in other states where they had to to lock down. So um, there is a huge, huge lifestyle component, um, an emotional and mental health component to being able to to live your life um, and still thrive and make money during this time. My main sales business is still in Connecticut. We did over 500 sales in 2021 for about 186, 87 million dollars. And I'm able to do that from down here. 
is real estate like that one unique industry where you can, you're selling in multiple locations. I want you to talk about that a little <laughs> bit, but, but is, is real estate that one industry where you can, you know, live in one location and still sell in another? How do you pull it off? And are, you know, are you seeing more people at nest seekers and some of your connections throughout the industry do the same thing? Sure. So I think it's tricky. Um, I personally like to be involved in every single transaction that I'm a part of, I'm physically involved. I'm a little bit perhaps of a micromanager, but okay. you know, so that said, when I'm doing the transactions in multiple states, that means I am physically in, you know, in New York, in the Hamptons, in Miami, in Vero Beach, in Palm Beach. I'm I'm physically in each of those locations. Um, what I think is necessary for myself and for other people's businesses to grow when they want to do something similar to, you know, what you've done, being able to sell almost 200 million, you know, in a different state is um, really build out a team of people and yeah. agents that you trust and people that operate on the same wavelength as you that you can hand over the reins to and you know that your client is going to be secure. Are you on a team or doing everything solo? Right now, I do everything solo. Oh, well, not totally solo because you do have an assistant that was hitting me up. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I do have some um, corporate help in terms of our PR team who you spoke yeah. with. And then um, I have I have an informal team structure where um, I have a partner who lives in Miami, another partner who lives close by to me in Palm Beach, um, and then some trusted colleagues up in the Hamptons and, and New York and um, you know, can go upstate. And so they can lay the preliminary groundwork when I'm not physically there. Um, and then if something is, you know, really the ball gets rolling, then I jump in, uh, in person. And will you like, say you've got a bit, you just had a big sale in, in Vero beach, but that's easy to get to living in, in you're living in Palm beach. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's about so, an so hour and a half North. But you can hop in a car and get to that one. If you have a big listing in the Hamptons, will you go up there to see it through or just kind of fly back and forth as needed? Uh, I did spend the the summer this year in the Hamptons. So I was there for two and a half months. So, you know, I had some deals going on in Florida when that was happening and I would fly down, um, you know, for closings, for inspections, for those types of things. Um, it, showings had already been completed. Um so it was, it was manageable, you know, when I was doing it this year, um, if I'm in prime season here in Florida, you know, basically the next four months and something yeah. comes up in New York or the Hamptons, uh, I will partner with somebody that I trust up there and we'll, you know, we'll split things 50, 50, they can manage the showings. We'll do the negotiations together. Um, we'll make sure it closes. So I think it's just super important to have boots on the ground of people you trust. And, you know, in, in order to grow, sometimes you have to, um, let go of the reins, but then still keep a finger on the pulse of everything that's going on. It's, it's a very fine line. So, um, to be able to touch clients in multiple geographies. So you have relationships with experts and real estate advisors that you trust in all of these locations that you're working in so that you, they're not just reliant on, on one person. Exactly. Exactly. What what would you say is um, like what inning are we in in terms of people migrating down to 
Florida. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm typically spending all my time on the West Coast in like Naples primarily. And it's just, it doesn't seemingly stop the amount of people that are coming down. And, you know, the West Coast of Florida used to just be like Midwest, you know, Canada, a lot of Canadians come down. Now you've got a lot of, you know, the school my daughters are going to, there's a huge waiting list. It's made up of primarily people from New York and New Jersey. And so that's shifted quite a bit. It's, you know, it's young people. There are a lot of people moving down every single day. What inning do you think we're in if we're talking a nine inning baseball game? That is the million dollar question because like you said, we don't see anything slowing down on the East coast of Florida either. Um, In fact, it's our inventory is as low as it has ever been. Um, And with the incredible new development coming into Miami, that's kind of been the savior because you have these buildings that won't be ready until 20, you know, 2025 or 2026. And we're already 75, 80% sold out on them. So um, we're, it seems like shifting forward a lot of um, the purchases that might have been made in three or four or five years. Um, But until, you know, I think the rest of uh, the country catches up to what places like Miami is currently offering. I mean, you look at the migration out of Silicon Valley and down into Miami and, you know, Bitcoin billionaire, you know, metropolis down there. And uh, you have the Francis Suarez takes part of his salary in Bitcoin. Um, You have uh, the new mayor of New York City offering to do the same thing. So I think you're going to see uh, a reshuffling and some movement back into um, Manhattan. We've already seen that, but I think it's just going to be a, a, a different um, kind of balance where people are going to continue to live between the two, but where before their Pieta Terre was in Florida and their main residence was in New York uh, or New Jersey, now their main residence will be Florida. They'll still have a Pieta Terre so they can have FaceTime in the office. I am personally, um, you know, not a huge advocate of 100% work from home because I think that you need to interact. We're human beings and we um, bounce ideas off of each other and energy off of each other. And you can't always do that remotely. So, uh, you know, I myself, I I keep a place in New York City because I want to be there, um, you living in the pulse of New York, even though it's not the same New York that I, you know, had the last 20 years, like it's still where you have some of the smartest people in the country um, that are all, you know, living within blocks of each other. So I, you know, I don't see a slowdown for, for Florida. I think we've got, you know, at least another year or so of a strong run in us before we really see things pitter out. But, you know, then again, we're, we're, up against incredible inflation. And uh, we keep getting changing information every day about how that will affect people. Uh, we have a huge sell-off in stock market today. So, you know, whereas some people are saying- I know, don't remind me about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe, you know, Ray Dalio was wrong when he was saying cash is trash. It's it's 
it's certainly yeah. not, you know, because that's how 80 to 90% of our luxury purchases in Florida have been just in cash. And, you know, those who have had some money on the sidelines are going to have the opportunity to dive in. When you say dive in, do you, do you, what's your outlook on luxury real estate? Now I'm, I'm assuming you're primarily just all luxury, right? Luxury mm-hmm. real estate. Yeah. yeah. What's your, what's your price point basically that you're dealing with? Sweet spot is between five and 10. Okay. So for, and I, yeah, I mean, what, what would they consider in Miami the luxury starting point? Is it 5 million? Yeah. You know what? Things have shifted. It used to be three or four and now we're really seeing- It's gone up. Absolutely. So to get oceanfront um, in Miami, you're looking at a starting point of 5 million at this point. So, So 5 million in Miami is luxury. What's your- you know, you're saying maybe cash is a good thing. So what's your outlook? Is is luxury real estate going to come down? Not from, from my perspective, because we've had um, most of our buyers have been 100% cash. Maybe they've taken like the low um, loans on the back end, but they're closing in cash. And we still see a lot of mm-hmm. people moving money into real estate as an inflation hub. Uh, we see a lot of institutional money coming and buying single family homes so that they can yeah. then rent out. And that's because of the generalized, you know, 5 million unit housing shortage across the country. So uh, I still see real estate, particularly in states like Florida and Arizona and Texas and Tennessee and South Carolina. Um, This is where a lot of people are feeling um, sheltering their money, knowing that it's not going to decrease in value during this inflationary period. Um, That's where they feel comfortable. Do you believe you have an advantage over other luxury agents who are just in Manhattan for 12 months or just in Miami for 12 months? When you speak to prospective buyers that want to do what you're doing, be in multiple locations, do you feel like you have an advantage or are you at a disadvantage against those other brokers by by moving around? Um, you know, the most important thing, uh, because I think everybody wants to do, you know, this mobile lifestyle right now. And, and I have heard a lot of brokers talk about, uh, you know, basically doing what I'm doing or doing what you're doing. You have got to know inside and out every single market that you're working in. Uh, you can't just say, hey, I'm going to get yeah. licensed in Florida or whatever state. And um, Everybody you know, thinks it comes down to the license. <laughs> yeah, it's not the license. You've got to yeah, know what you're talking license. about. The license doesn't even matter, actually. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't remember how many feet are in an acre or whatever they test us on in those licensing courses. <laughs> All I know is that, you know, where 43, is- 43,000 <laughs> something. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> but, no, 46,000. Know... <laughs> Uh-oh. It was, it was a lot. It was, you know, but it's, you know, I know Miami and I know Palm Beach and I know Oceanfront. And um, at the same time, I spent 20 years in Manhattan. I spent over 10 summers in the Hamptons. It's, I know, you know, how to avoid 27 and go every back route, you know, on the way out to Montauk. And you can't learn those things if you're not living and breathing um, the areas, um, you know, day in and day out. I've heard so many agents say what you referenced. Well, you know, I want to get into Florida real estate, so I'm going to get my license. You're going to get your license. What is that going to do for you? If you know buyers and sellers, you can make money off the transaction without having your license. You already have your license in one state. 
So you can get referrals by connecting people all day long. Get down, get down here. Start, like you said, start learning the market. Before I ever bought a piece of real estate in Naples, I had been spending one, two, three months every single winter down here for almost 10 years straight. You know, so I knew the the restaurants. I, I knew people. Like I had a, a network down here. I knew that in, you know, Pelican Bay, there's over six thousand homes. Like I knew different parts of the market that, you know, like I had lived here. So I think you're absolutely right. You got to get in these locations and actually spend some time. You don't have to, you know, change your residency right off the bat, but you've got to spend some real time, not a one week vacation where, you know, you're going to just be, you know, out drinking the whole time. You have to like live Mm -hmm. as if you were a resident. Absolutely. And and that's been, you know, my kind of a recommendation to so many of the agents that are, you know, doing the, you know, going after five or six licenses, because frankly, you know, I don't think, at least in my experience, um, you know, if you're licensed in a state and you can't be there to work on the transaction, regardless if you're licensed or not, you're going to get 25% for the referral. There's some, you know, rumor going out there. Well, if I refer somebody to Florida and I happen to be licensed in Florida, I'm going to command 50% for that referral. You're not going to get it. You're still getting 25%. Not, not <laughs> yeah. Not if you're negotiating with somebody who knows what the heck they're doing. Right. On your right. referral fee. Right. Now you're kind of, you're kind of a baller because you're, you're, you're definitely a baller, not kind of a baller because you're not only just listing in Florida and the Hamptons, you also have listings in different countries. Mm-hmm. So what countries are you holding other listings in? And do you need a license to actually sell in those countries? So this is where I really need, you know, take advantage of having boots on the ground um, and native people in each of these countries. So the two that I'm primarily working in is Portugal, and that's with work through the Golden Visa program, which is basically if you spend over a million dollars, you get um, significant um, advantages in terms of residency and, and different qualifications, different levels, different ways to, you know, go about it. But we see a lot of uh, movement from South America into uh, Portugal because it is so investor friendly and the prices are just amazing. You know, what you get for a million dollars there, it blows anything in the United States away. So, and the people are so friendly. I was there uh, last in September and I have never met, uh, met a community that was more welcoming and kind and you know, proud and just, you know, easygoing, easy to work with. Everybody is, uh, nobody's selfish. It's just, it's a really kind real estate community to work within. Um, so the Algarve, Lisbon, Cascais, um, Sintra, those are like the hot spots in Portugal right now. Um, same with Mexico. And, you know, of course, being close to Miami, we have a lot of um, Mexican Mexican um, buyers that come in, but also a lot of people that want to invest back in either their home country or, um, you know, a, a proximate country. And Mexico, especially Puerto Cancun, has some amazing developments going on. My favorite developer down there is Luxemia. uh, And I just got a few listings in uh, Shark Tower and Shark Mansions, which is an actual- Walk us us through one of these Shark Mansions. 
Yeah, so well, you have the tower, and that's shaped like a shark fin, and it's right on Puerto Cancun, which is like the gateway to Cancun. Um, from the top floors, you can see the beach, you can see, you know, basically 360 degrees panoramic. And the shark tower is amazing. However, what I find even more exciting are these six shark mansions that are um, positioned right adjacent to shark tower, and they're four stories each. These each have six parking garage spaces. So you drive down when you initially get there, choose which one of your six private spaces you want. And all around you, you have sharks swimming and fish swimming. And you're really enveloped um, in this idea of sustainability. And that's, they give a, a portion of all of their proceeds to us. Uh, animal preservation and, and uh, environmental preservation. And uh, I think that leukemia is just like really, uh, they are so forward thinking like nothing else in the world. I mean, I've never parked my car in an aquarium before. So I, that's my personal favorite listing. U.S. dollars, what is a, uh, the four-story shark mansion in Mexico cost? A steal at about $3.8 Wow. Mm -hmm. That is a steal. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. No, but, it's, it, you can get into shark tower for 700,000 and you are in the oh, best wow. building in Mexico. Now, did, I don't know if you said, did you say it? Did, do you have to be licensed to do what you're doing there? Or, or is it because you just have the boots on the ground? You, you don't even need to carry a license or is there even a real estate licensing in, in Mexico? No, it's, it's not the same way that we structure things in the United States. It's, um, there's not like exams and licensing requirements. Uh, everything is done through attorneys. So basically you are designated as a salesperson and, um, you know, you, you kind of learn on your own. Um, it's, it's very different than choosing the educational path into real estate that we do here in the United States. Okay. And you brought up crypto. Are people like in Shark Tower transacting in crypto? Because I'm assuming people are coming from all over the place to buy in a building like that. So what do you what what's your experience with crypto and real estate? So Shark Tower have not experienced crypto uh, purchases yet. However, in Miami, we're seeing a ton, and uh, the Waldorf Astoria and Eleven residences both are by PMG, uh, the developer. Uh, they are really um, running fast forward using cryptocurrency um, for purchases and. It's actually exacerbated and really spearheaded because um, the old basketball stadium or, you know, the American Airlines arena, it's not old, it's a brand new building, but it's now FTX arena. And uh, that's one of the crypto trading platforms. Uh, and that is a stone's throw from both the 11 residences and Waldorf Astoria. So we've seen a lot of uh, transactions there and, you know, we have uh, different apps and different um, DeFi platforms, which is decentralized finance, so that uh, you can actually lever your crypto uh, just like you would um, by taking a mortgage or taking a loan against your own assets in a traditional bank setting. So that way, you know, you might hold rather than sell your $10 million in Bitcoin, you can take a loan against it and then, you know, not have to wipe out your account because, you know, crypto investors expect those 
crazy, crazy, you know, prices to drive up for the foreseeable future. So if people are talking about Bitcoin at $100,000 a coin, why would you sell your Bitcoin right now? You want it, you'll lever against it, and then you'll make a purchase that way. And in that case, they're levering against turning into cash, a cash loan, and and then purchasing the the unit with with the cash that they just borrowed. That right. yes. Now, now when the developer, you know, gets the crypto in hand at the close of the transaction, they immediately turn it into cash because, you know, their um, vendors are not accepting cryptocurrency at this time. So they they can't take that um, variability. I mean, today, I think Bitcoin's at forty thousand dollars a coin. It was sixty thousand dollars a coin a month ago. So um, they can't afford to have that um, that high beta. But uh, they will accept it and immediately turn into cash. I mean, I know there's such a community of people that are into, you know, crypto, Bitcoin, whatever in Miami. Are you like hanging out with that scene, spending time with people that are really deep into the crypto world? Yeah. Yeah. And it's actually, it feeds back from my LA days. Because I was, you know, in Santa Monica and Marina del Rey, I lived there for six years and went to grad school at Pepperdine. And it was kind of like this advent of, of cryptocurrency. And this is going back at least 15 years ago. So now those same people have migrated across to um, Miami and, you know, it's the new Silicon Valley. Um, it's the new California. And I think that it's, it really, like we said before, shows no sign of stopping it. The, the community there is so strong and the government and the state is so supportive, um, of the, of cryptocurrency and what blockchain allows for in the future, um, that it's, it's here to stay. What's the biggest problem nobody's talking about in Miami? Hmm. Um, you know, I think we saw with Surfside and some of the older buildings, mm-hmm. um, we, the old Miami construction was not good. So we're seeing so much demand for these newer buildings, but very, very low demand for anything, um, built prior to uh, the year 2000. Sure. That makes sense. Great call on that. What what do you what's your overall prediction then for luxury real estate? You don't think it's going to go down in 2022. How do you how do you think it plays out? Is it going to be flat? Is it going to go up? Where are you at on Yeah, well, homes? you know, I think um, you know, it's microcosms, right? I'm not saying that everything is going to go up throughout 2022. I think we are going to really dive into these um, microcosm communities again. And I see Florida is continuing to be very strong. Um, I think New York City probably hope for flat, um, maybe a tick back um, because we will see an increase in rates. And we don't know if you know we're going to see three rate increases this year or five. It's um, the Fed kind of is changing with the wind right now. So uh, I think that that we are in for some headwinds. I don't want to make it seem like it's all hunky-dory. I just think that Florida has so much to offer that we're going to continue to see, you know, a continued migration. And, and we expect that through at least 2023. Awesome, Aaron. I've really enjoyed this. And uh, 
I hope everybody will go follow Erin on Instagram. Sykes Style is her handle. What's up with that handle? What's what's the <laughs> meaning behind Sykes Style? You know, that's been, um, I would say, my handle since the advent of social media. So we're going back <laughs> to like 2004 with that. And it, it kind of fits whatever, you know, I'm I'm going with. If it's working with new developments, it's it's a psych style new development, a single family home. It's a psych style single family. So it, it, it fits the vibe. <laughs> I love it. I hope we get to catch up at some point again later in the year, Erin. Everybody go follow her. Thanks for coming on. Thank you.